Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today's episode is part two of Dr. Stephen Schimpf. We ran out of time last week when talking about living a longer and healthier life But it was such a fascinating episode, I wanted to bring him back. So if you didn't hear part one, stop the episode right now, go listen to part one, and then come back. Last week, we started talking about the seven key steps to staying healthy, which is what Dr. Schimpf talks about in his book. He sent me a copy, and I'm about three quarters of the way through it, and I'm taking notes. But by the time this episode airs, I'll be all finished. And I'm giving my copy, which includes my notes, away to one lucky listener. To enter, just go to rockyourretirement.com slash decoded and make a comment. The name of the book is Longevity Decoded, and that's why I chose that uh, URL. All you have to do is make a comment on today's show notes at rockyourretirement.com slash decoded before October 29th, that's one week from today, to enter the drawing. I'll be putting everyone's name who made a comment on the show notes in a hat and drawing out the winner on October 30th live in the Rock Your Retirement Facebook community at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Join me live to see who wins. Okay, but before we start, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the Medicare Quick Step-by-Step Guide for Signing Up for Medicare. If you are signing up for Medicare for the very first time, then you know how confusing that can be. This step-by-step guide is absolutely free and it will help you easily make the transition into Medicare. Get it free at medicarequick.com forward slash checklist. And best of all, I'm the founder of Medicare Quick, and I love helping people with their Medicare. Okay, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and bring on Dr. Stephen Schimpf again. Dr. Schimpf, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on the show again to finish up the seven keys for our listeners. Now, we only got through keys one through three last time, and those were eat healthy, exercise, lower stress, and hopefully... We can get through keys four through seven today since I have another guest all queued up for next week after your book drawing. Um, If we can't, they can always go buy your book. So welcome back. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here again. Yeah, I'm glad to see you too. And for the listener, I'm trying something new today. I'm actually looking at Steve, you know, on Skype. And so I can actually see him, whereas in the past... I just did it all audio. You won't be able to see him, but I can. So this is great. So thank you so much. So tell us, we got through steps one through three, which are eat healthy, exercise, lower stress. What is step four? You know, Kathy, step four is dealing with, with sleep. We all know we need sleep because we, if we wake up tired in the morning, we're tired. But sleep is really, really important for us, for our health and for our longevity and for preventing chronic illnesses like heart disease, diabetes, and so on. So here's why. It's really quite fascinating. When we sleep, our brain cells literally shrink. They shrink quite a bit. And the space taken up that, that's left behind, because remember our brain's inside our skull, that, that space that's left behind is filled with fluid. So when we're in deep sleep, the cells shrink, 
the fluid goes in and it's like a slow moving river that it just washes away the toxins that our brain cells have put out. So when we wake up in the morning feeling refreshed, one of the reasons is because we've washed that stuff out. So that's a very important reason. So just think of it as throwing your, your, your clothes in the washing machine. Um, that's a little bit rough and tumble. But mm-hmm. anyway, the idea is the same. We're cleaning ourselves. Now, another major reason for sleep, or what happens during sleep, is that we process our memories. And the best analogy I can use there is that when you're working on a computer and say you're writing a document, uh, a letter to somebody. So you write the letter and, and maybe you email it off. But now you want to save it. Well, you know, it's in the computer. You're working on it, so it's saved, right? Well, no, it isn't really saved. you got to get onto your hard drive. And you do that by hitting the Save As button and putting it in a folder. You choose which folder you want and so on. Well, at nighttime when we're asleep, our brain is doing just that. Our, our Part of our brain called hippocampus is taking these short-term memories and making them, we'll just call them long-term memories, but it's filing them away hopefully where we can find them when we need them later on. So those are just two of reasons why we need to have sleep. So then, of course, the next question is, well, how much do I need and how do I get it? Because I wake up at night or, right. you know, I'm five o'clock in the morning, I'm waking up. Yeah, so that happens to me. Of, or, I have, or I have trouble falling asleep. So let's deal with falling asleep first. Before we go to bed at night, there's some things we should not do. <laughs> the should nots are don't watch a movie with a lot of violence or anything else that gets us, you know, really stimulated, excited. The idea is to sort of settle down, quiet down. Something funny is fine. Some quiet music is fine. Um, but uh, reading, a, reading a book, you know, this is not the time to read uh, a thriller, probably. <laughs> anything that is going to just kind of get you agitated. That's not what you should do before you go to bed. Okay, now go into the bedroom and turn all the lights out. Now, all the lights doesn't mean just the light, the light on the top of the ceiling. It means your cell phone. It means that alarm clock. It means anything with a light. Wait a minute. If you turn off your alarm clock, how are you going to wake up in the morning? Well, stick something over it. Turn it around. <laughs> That's what I do. I turn I Turn, turn it around. around. So that when you wake up, if you do wake up at 3 o'clock, and when you look at the clock, say, oh, my God, it's 3 o'clock. I'll never go back to sleep. Well, but it, there's more to it than that. The light from these devices is actually a light that affects our brain and gets rid of melatonin, reduces melatonin. So I better back up and explain that. There's something called the circadian rhythm, which everybody's probably more or less familiar with, that in the evening as it starts to get dark, our brain produces a compound called melatonin. Same stuff you can buy in the store. So that melatonin level goes up, and that makes us sleepy. We go to bed, we fall asleep, and the melatonin level starts to go down, but eventually another substance, cortisone, cortisol, starts to come up. And that's what kind of gets us going in the morning. We have to have our cortisone, our cortisol. So that's a normal um, circadian rhythm. Right. If we decide, I'm not going to go to bed till 1 o'clock in the morning, we've skipped a lot of the time that our body wants to be asleep. And now you say, so I can't stay asleep after 6 o'clock in the morning. No, because the sun is up and your body says it's time to get up and wake up. That's why I had a hard time sleeping when I lived in Alaska during the summer. Yeah. And a hard time waking up during the winter. (laughs) Exactly. So try and make yourself, if, if you can, fit within 
the sunrise sunset. You know, if you try and push it out of there, you're just fighting yourself. That's why we get jet lag too. We're, we're, we've grown to another, you know, time zone, and our body says, well, "Wait a minute, I'm supposed to get up now or go to sleep now or whatever." And I can't. So, the things that we want to do is have a very dark room, no lights that come from all our little devices. Don't get ourselves excited by reading emails when we're laying in bed. Or listening to political shows. <laughs> or listening to political shows on the TV set. Turn it all off. Then we'll probably get a decent night's sleep. Hmm. Those are all good. Now, okay, so I'm going to go off subject. This will probably make us to where we don't get through all of the steps. But I have to know, what about sundowners syndrome with people with dementia? Because they're not, like, do you think that putting blackout shades in their rooms might help? Because they're not, I mean, you've heard of it, right? Right. You know what sundowner syndrome yeah, is? Yeah, and I have to say, I'm, I'm not an expert at it, so I'm going to avoid, avoid your question, that question a bit. <laughs> but I'm like, going to say... Like, spoken like a true doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but you just mentioned blackout shades. They're important because, you know, moonlight coming in the window, even starlight, a, tr- a car driving by, you need quiet and you need dark. Too bad earplugs don't, like even these, I, I, now that you can see me, you can see my earplug, my um, headset keeps falling out of my ears. So I have a problem. I can't wear earplugs at night. I am a very, very light sleeper and I can't wear earplugs, which is a huge problem. <laughs> I don't know yes, do. I understand. It's not like I can put my Bose headset on and comfortably sleep because I sleep on my side. I haven't figured out a solution to that yet. Okay, so we're still talking about sleep. We're talking about falling asleep. What about staying asleep? How do you do that? Well, a couple of things. Don't drink a lot of water or alcohol or anything else shortly before you go to bed. And if you do wake up, and at my age, I'm going to wake up because my bladder is going to tell me I got a large prostate. I'm going to have to get up. But wait a minute. I don't have an enlarged prostate, and I still have to get up. Yes. Almost everybody that? has to get up. As we get older, that's just the way our bladders start to work. So what you don't want to do is get up and turn a lot of lights on. Keep the lights. You know, you don't want to stumble and fall, of course. But you just want a night light to help you get to wherever you're going. And then use the bathroom, come back to bed. Don't have a drink of water then, even though it may seem like a good idea. But it's not because it's, you're, it's going to go right through you and come back out the other end. So that, those are some of the things you can do to help. But the biggest thing you can do is adjust your bedtime schedule to fit the sunshine. So basically you're saying that during the winter we all have to go bed, to bed at like 6.30, 7 o'clock at night? <laughs> no, we, we all need about eight hours sleep. So you can go to bed anytime you want, but just remember the sun is going to come up. So again, if you go to bed at 1 o'clock at night, or two o'clock at night, because you're a night owl, um, you're probably not going to sleep much past seven or whenever the sun comes up in the winter. Good point. Okay. What is the next step? We got through step four. What's five? Okay. Number five is easy. It may not be easy for each person, but it's a straightforward one. No tobacco. And the no tobacco means just that none. Don't have it. You know, vaping is not um, an excuse or an adequate uh, substitute. You just have to have no tobacco. What tobacco, about a cigar every now and then? Be a mistake. No cigars. Okay. <laughs> no, no pipe, no cigarettes. And here's why. When the tobacco burns, it puts out a whole ton of different chemicals and many of them are very dangerous. It's not, and we think of, oh, smoking causes lung cancer. 
Well, it does. But the things that it really causes much more frequently is heart disease. The most common cause of heart disease, heart attacks in the past, was tobacco smoking. I say in the past because now most of us don't smoke anymore. That is so weird that smoking would cause heart disease. How does that, for the layperson, how does that work? Tobacco smoke, the, the chemicals in the tobacco smoke cause inflammation. And the essence of the coronary artery plaque that builds up is all related to inflammation. So anything that um, stimulates the inflammation will you know, make that, make that plaque build up faster. So by the way, that includes the fat lets out chemicals, um, you know, fat in our belly, for example, lets out chemicals that create inflammation. Mm. Stress lets out chemicals that create inflammation. And uh, just sitting around lets out chemicals that create inflammation. And then tobacco is really big at that. So if you just do, um, uh, I don't mean to scare everybody, but if you take two groups of people, otherwise equal, and one's a smoking group and one is not, they each start, let's say, when they're 20 years old, the smoking group will die on average a decade sooner than the non-smokers, a decade. So that's not wow. just lung cancer, that's heart disease, it's, a whole, it's lung disease. It's a whole bunch of possible diseases, but those are the three biggies. I want to know if firefighters die sooner from heart disease. Uh, another one of those good questions I can't answer. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm really interested in that now to know, whoa, I wonder if these firefighters realize that all that smoke in their lungs. Although, don't they wear equipment to help with that? They do, that? yeah. But Yeah, I know. I keep interrupting so, anyway, you. <laughs> so, so the, that's quite all right. So no tobacco. Now, about 17% of people still do smoke. And unfortunately, it's people that are young often and and in some socioeconomically uh, deprived areas. And there's heavy marketing in those areas. And so just a large number of people who, well, just anybody, but stay away from tobacco is the message. What about marijuana? I well, mean, I'm in California where marijuana is supposedly legal. legal. I guess you don't smoke as much marijuana as you do cigarettes, right? People who smoke cigarettes are doing it all day. I don't know anybody who's smoking marijuana well, all day long. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I, I'm, I'm not going to say that marijuana is bad for you or good for you or whatever. What about the, the chemicals, though? As a, as a physician, I would say if you have pain that can't be treated else, you know, in other ways readily, then you know, marijuana is fine. Marijuana as a uh, recreational thing. You know, everybody does the same thing. You know, drinking alcohol is not good in, in excess. But just the idea of sucking in a smoke from any source doesn't turn me on at all. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you can eat marijuana, right? I was just thinking that if smoke is bad for you, it seems like marijuana smoke would, the, just the smoke part wouldn't yeah. be great for your body exactly. either. Although, you know, you, I mean, my husband doesn't smoke marijuana, but he does have stage four cancer. And so that is something that since we're in a state where it's legal, that he is definitely considering. Okay, so no tobacco. So you 17% of the people who are all young, who are probably not listening to this show because <laughs> you're young, right. don't smoke. Okay, what is step, <laughs> what is number six? Okay, well, just the first five that we've talked about. They're important for all the organs of our body. But we have one other organ that we got to deal with, and that's the brain. Right. So the brain depends on those five also, 
but when we have two more. And one of them is the brain needs to be, well, just like you go out and, and exercise your, your, your muscles of your body, you need to exercise your brain. So that means we need to challenge our brain with, with, with intellectual challenges. So what, that, what might that be? Well, it, you know, there's lots of games, Sudoku and chess and so on, things on the internet that are put out there for money that you can use to stimulate your brain. But then there's lots of ways to stimulate yourself. Um, just watching a movie is not may sound stimulating, but it's, that's not that's not um, challenging your brain. You're just sort of sitting there. Maybe if you talked about it or wrote a story, uh, wrote a paper on it afterwards. Yeah, or well, that's different. That's different. If you had to write a book report on it, or you had to, or you're in a book club and you're going to sort of you know defend your view of that movie or that book or whatever, that's a challenge. So that's great. A discussion group on any topic uh, is challenging. So those are the sorts of things we need to just challenge our brain and do it all the time, not just you know once a month. Oh, okay. I'm going to go to book my club book club once a month. Once a month. <laughs> that, that's not enough. What do you think about learning a language or learning an oh, instrument or something like yes, that? Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, learning a language, learning an instrument, doing art. Art? How does that? I thought all these things had to be left brain. No, right brain is great. But, you know, someone who does art isn't all right brain. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to get their composition, pick out the right colors. There's a, an intellectual process to it, a thought process. Interesting. My wife does watercolors, and she says that for her, one of the major parts to it is it's a problem-solving thing for her. And other people say to her, oh, Carol, you spend too much time thinking about it. She says, that's, that's what makes it fun for me. I like that. Watercolors are very unforgiving. You can't just cover it up if you make a mistake well, on a watercolor. So you, you got to think it out. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So name the six that we've already gone through. Okay. Diet. Okay. Exercise. Mm -hmm. Stress. You know, managing That's a big your stress. One. Yes. That's a big one. Enhancing your sleep. Okay. No tobacco. Challenging your brain. Okay. Let's go back to the sleep. Yeah. What do you think about using sleep aids? Does that help or is it just you're knocked out and you're not really getting the, the actual, I want to say brainwashing, but that's not, <laughs> that's not yeah, really what, so, I mean, it is happening, but that's not what we think of, but washing yes. of the brain. Does that happen when you're taking sleep aids? Well, I think there's sleep aids and there's sleep aids, of course. So I, I just, I just have to go back and repeat. I think the most important sleep aid that we can have is the things we just talked about before, getting to bed at the right time, having a dark room, not getting ourselves stimulated in advance, all those sorts of things. Do those first. Then if you still need something, and, and I don't like to give medical advice on a show like this. No, but, because they're not uh, so, talking to you directly. I mean, of course. That's exactly right. Go see your so doctor, say, listeners. Go see your doctor and ask about using melatonin. Melatonin is cheap. Um, you can buy it you know, as a supplement. And I think I would certainly do that before I'd go to something like Ambion or, you know, um, uh, other heavy-duty stuff. You know, I used to take melatonin um, to help me fall asleep. And then my next-door neighbor, who, by the way, is not a medical professional, but he started talking to me and said, how much do you take? And I said, well, I was taking five milligrams. And he says, oh, my gosh, that is way too much. You shouldn't be taking that much. You need to cut that back. And he said, your body creates its own melatonin. And if you take melatonin, your body is going to stop creating it and you'll become dependent on it. So I cut back. I started breaking those pills in half, cut back to two and a half milligrams. And then I cut it into a fourth. And then I just eliminated it. And what I realized was that 
the melatonin was helping me fall asleep, but it wasn't helping me stay asleep. So I can fall asleep with melatonin, but I would still wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and, you know, then I would stay awake. So now I don't know, I've, um, I'm doing some other things to help me sleep, but, and, and now I pretty much sleep through the whole night. I'll usually wake up at like maybe around five or six to use the restroom. And then if I'm lucky, I go back to sleep until seven. If I'm not, then I just get up and I start working. So what do you think? I mean, was he wrong about the melatonin? About, you did say your body produces its own. If you take it, does it kind of stop producing? Uh, well, Maybe. I'm going to duck it. I'm going to duck it. I don't know. Maybe. Probably. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> We're just having a conversation here. You don't have to be the expert in everything. I mean, you do know those seven steps and that's the main thing, right? Okay. So we've gone through six and now we've got about eight minutes left. So tell us what that seventh step is. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to call it social engagement. And that's a, that's a, that's a, term for a lot of different things but we're humans and humans a lot of animals too but humans need to interact with other humans we can't be a hermit my wife and i right now are, are spending the summer in a small cabin in the mountains of west virginia now if we just stayed here and talked to each other all summer nothing else that would not be adequate and so we we get out we see other people we do things and that those but that's important so do you know anybody where you're staying we do you do so yes. So you already have a built-in sort of sort social of yeah. calendar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, but it's, it's really important that we, we have friends and we interact with those friends. I mean, it's, it's one thing to go to the grocery store and talk to the cashier, and that's fun. But we really we – have we need people that we interact with and feel close to, that we can ask questions of, that we can, we can confide in, those sorts of things. That's what the social engagement is, is what I mean by that. I see we live in a retirement community and what I see there is a fair number of people that move in often it's someone whose spouse has died and they're older and so they want to be in a setting where they're safer if you like and, and there's there's food available if you need it and support and so on but they never come out of their apartment I don't understand that at all I mean well, you have those big they, open space like don't you have like libraries and gathering places sure. but you know whether it's because their spouse was the one that always brought them to the, the things they did or whether it's just, I don't know why, but we've just seen it over and over again that people just, they just, you know, they back off. And despite the fact there's so many opportunities, they don't make use of them. Mm. They don't do well because, again, that brain of ours needs that interaction. Very, very important. Did they, years and years ago, I'm... I'm dating myself, but wasn't there, I mean, this would be totally outlawed today, but didn't they do a study years and years and years ago? And if you're a young person, I apologize, but this was an actual study where they took a monkey or maybe two monkeys. I don't remember what it was. And one of them, they, they just put in a room. Nobody, nobody was allowed to touch it or talk to it or whatever. And then they had another monkey, maybe it was a twin or something. And that one was interacted in the monkey that no one ever talked to or interacted with, didn't it? Do you remember that study? I don't, but you know, we, we know that about putting someone in, in solitary confinement. Right. Um, they will, they will go bats after a period of time. 
So we, we need that interaction. It's very important. You can do that with animals. You can look, look at it with mice and rats and rabbits and everything else. If you isolate them, they will, they will curl up and die sooner. That, that process that we talked about the last time of this 1% per year decline in functions of all of our organs, that just speeds right up. Wow. That, that's amazing. What was that movie where the guy was stranded on a desert island and he made the basketball into someone that he talked to? What was, do you remember that? No. <laughs> there, there was a movie. Okay, listeners. Yes, I guess I didn't see that. <laughs> it, it was movies. a really famous movie. I don't remember. Um, I'm trying to think of the actor's name. I still remember him when he was the star of the show, uh, the movie Big. Hank, uh, anyway, listener, head over to the show notes. Hey, this could be your comment that would qualify you for the book drawing. So head over to the show notes and tell us the name of that act- actor and the the show, the, the name of the movie, where he turned a basketball into a purse, you know, he made a smiley face on it and talked to him while he was on this deserted desert island. <laughs> that could be your comment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, hey, I can't believe it. We got through the seven steps. We got through all of them. Okay, so before we end, I just want to say one thing. Let's say you are not living in a senior community. Let's say you've you've moved somewhere you don't know anybody. It's harder to make friends when you're older. So w- what would you do in that situation? You've moved, maybe your spouse has died, you don't you, you want to interact but you don't really know where to start. What would be the place where you would start? That's a tough question. And I'll try and explain why it's a tough question. The place to move is to a retirement community. <laughs> uh, but everybody can't do that. Everybody doesn't want to do that. But a lot of communities now do have senior centers. And so go to the senior center. Now, then the problem may be maybe you can't drive the way you used to. But often they'll pick you up. They'll pick you up. And I have a friend, a good friend, who, um, because of some medical problems, didn't get out of the house. Eventually, he got some of that taken care of. But his doctor said, you know, you've got to get out and, and do some stuff. And told him to go to the senior center. So pretty soon he was there. Pretty soon, and his wife had died, by the way. He was very depressed. and, and just But being there and interacting with other people, he slowly but surely started to per- perk up. He'd always loved to dance, and he started dancing again. And now he's got a girlfriend. Oh, my goodness. Good for you know, him. So it, yeah. That's great. You know, my very first episode, her name was Maddie Troike, and... I was sitting at a senior center. I knew I was going to start the show, but I didn't have any guests. I didn't know what I was going to... I knew I wanted to have a show about retirement lifestyle. And I was sitting at a senior center, and one of the people walked up to my booth and started talking with me. And I told her I was going to do a show, and she said, I would do that. And I said, okay, when I'm done, why don't we head on over into that room? I have my microphone, I have my recorder, and we're going to record an episode. And that was episode one. And she said that after that episode, she started getting more and more involved, more open because she was really depressed. Her husband had passed away like two years before. She was still still in that depression. She wound up opening up her her heart and her life and she wound up meeting somebody and getting married. Okay. Is that not awesome? Yeah, it is. It really is. And it happens. So it can happen. Yeah. Okay. So we're almost out of time. So before we go, let the listener know 
the one thing that you have to let them know before we hang up? <laughs> okay. Well, what I is think your final one... message to the listener? The final message is, you know, we've talked about these seven keys, and but the real message is each of us, each of you listening, you have the power. You've got the power. It's kind of like a light switch. You can turn it on or turn it off. My hope, my sincere hope is you'll flip the switch on. It doesn't cost any money. Yes, the seven keys are not easy necessarily for everybody, uh, particularly some of the diet things. And I don't want to exercise all that much. So, on. But you have the power. You can make this huge difference in your life. Um, have a healthier life. Have a longer life. And so go for it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And where can the listener purchase your book if they don't win it? <laughs> from our contest. Remember, the one that you win, if you win it, is going to have my hand, you know, my notes, my underlines, my little stars. <laughs> so you'll get to see the inside of my head. But if you want to actually purchase a nice brand new copy, where do they go? Go to Amazon, uh, type in either Longevity Decoded or The Seven Keys to Healthy Aging, or my name, if you can remember how to spell it, S-C-H-I-M-P-F-F, -F, and you'll get right there. Um, and it's both a, a paperback or as an ebook. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I really appreciate it. And we were able to get through all the steps. And listener, head on over to the show notes, make a comment, and then you might be able to win the book and you'll get my personal copy. So thanks again. And we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Retirement. 